podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool have beaten Huddersfield by three goals to nil. Um, it's a slightly strange game, a little bit game of two halves, supposedly. Uh, that's what a lot of it's come out afterwards. The manager himself has talked about the fact that Liverpool approached it differently, second 45. I've got Rob Gutman, Philippa Smallwood and Adam Smith to work through all of this with us. And I'll start with you, Rob. Liverpool got the win that they needed to get, got the goals that they maybe needed to get, got the clean sheet they certainly needed to get. It's, uh, whilst not being the sort of win that has you singing everybody's name coming out of Anfield, not least because of how little Huddersfield offered, it was still an important one and one that we can maybe use to track the progress of the club between now and Christmas. Yeah, I've watched all the bits back this morning, all the post-matches, and I thought, Jesus Christ... Klopp was very honest when he said relief was, you know, the overriding emotion. No hiding from. I think managers like to not admit being relieved, but it was just relief. And you know what echoed for me? Which show did we do last week, Neil? Where I said it feels like so long since Liverpool just won a football match where you went out the ground, not exactly thrilled, maybe even mildly discontented, but you had three points and there was every we, three. We, 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 no, this is which show was we were it? doing a history show, which hasn't come out yet. That's but it was right. About, it was about oh five oh six, and we were talking about these sorts of home games under Benitez, where you'd win one nil or. Two nil, and Julia, and the result was sort of never really in doubt. Certainly, once you got ahead, yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily enjoy the games. Everyone would just sort of come out and go, "Well, that's out the way then." Yeah. Whereas now it feels like every game is like a, a mini cup final. I don't know. We either play. We've tended to play very well to get our points. We had to work very hard to get our points. And we're gifted a two. Well, it feels like we're gifted a penalty a little bit. Although looking back, it's uh, looking back at the the replays on it, it is clearly a penalty. But it's uh, it's not in the context of us making chance after chance. We blow that one, and you think, Christ's sake, we can't even take when the gates open for us. We can't quite walk through it. And then it feels we're gifted a first and a second. I thought this is how football used to be. You know, this this is how it seems like it is for other teams. It feels kind of fair. Um, it was interesting what, what, what Klopp said. You know, the strangest thing about what Klopp said after the game, which if I can digress on this, this is a tactical note, where he talked about in the first half we had too many men behind the ball, not enough men ahead of the ball. I sit on the, in the Kenny Dalgleish stand, in the upper Kenny, as we call it, um, after two weeks. As in, 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 the, in the upper Kenny, Joe Gomez was holding his position far, far too much. And I was screaming at him to bomb beyond Salah the whole time. I thought, I'm getting boring here. It's like this is the only tactical insight I've got in football to the people around me. But, but Klopp, but it was interesting, Klopp comes out second half and goes, yeah, we didn't have enough men ahead of the ball. I thought... Why don't managers get that message onto the pitch like after minute 15 when well, it's why, fucking obvious? On, before I bring everyone else in, why do you think, firstly, it, I mean, it sounds as though it not forget the idea of getting the message on the pitch, that they've worked on stuff all week. Why do you think that Gomez makes the decision that he makes as a footballer? It's, I don't know if it's a little... Maybe it's nerves. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's a hangover from Tottenham. Um, I did wonder about those around him. The senior-ish pros, the Hendersons, and even the Salars weren't going, Joe, just get the fuck Henderson round. really was. He was right in front of me all game. He, I, was in the, I was in the lower Kenny Dalglish stand, and Henderson kept screaming at him and pointing, like, why aren't you there? I need you to be there. I, did, I, I must admit, I was looking for that and didn't see that. I mean, Henderson was getting his own... Was, had his own crosses to bear in that first, I think, as as did others he was some around me were criticising Jordan for holding too much and I think that was another one of Klopp's things that there was too many behind the ball again why are they doing it yeah it's it probably is a little bit of paranoia and caution also I don't know maybe we haven't played a low block like this for a few weeks so maybe it's a little bit of habit I don't quite think when Huddersfield were very very buck, buck, 
bus parky there, weren't they? And, I mean, I had my words echoing around in my ears of Steve Armstrong, um, who said that United, uh, that Huddersfield, the best team United had played this season last week, which I thought it was his way of uh, putting the boot into us as well, because we'd only played them the week before. I thought, Steve, they were shit. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I want to talk about this a little bit. I'll go to you first on this, Adam, because I think it's important to talk about the opposition, because it's, it's hard to say, will Liverpool that good? Or second half especially, will Huddersfield that poor? I think one of the things that happens... Maybe I'm wrong, but I actually thought on 35, I remember sort of thinking, hang on, this Huddersfield side looks knackered. They all, they, the speed with which they went from the, quite a peppy first 10 to a bit of, we're doing shape now, boys, to 35 minutes of them sort of looking at each other a bit like we're goosed here. And I don't know if that's Liverpool moving them out of shape. I don't know if it's the intensity of the two fixtures they've had back to back. But did you think that they, the speed with which they retreated and the way in which they, I, as I say, I just thought, I was on 35, I was thinking we get something here second half because these have got no legs. I don't know whether I thought that particularly. One of the things I did think was that they were incredibly well organised and it was even to the point where I was watching the two central defenders and the two what were nominally uh, sort of holding midfielders were, were about six foot away from each other and at one point it was literally like they were like they were mirroring each other so the, the, the like to the to the to the extent where the central midfielder would move one leg a little bit to the right and the defender <laughs> would move one leg with him honestly it happened it was like if you if you could have filmed it and watched it back it was like one of those comedy things yeah. where everyone moves at the same time and all four of them were shifting precisely together and that sort of thing not only takes a lot of concentration, but it takes a lot of physical effort. And as you say, when I think you've done it two weeks in a row, and I think when... I think that the game against United that they had the week before, it's a lot easier when you're at home, one... But when you have some attacking intent, it's a lot easier for the defenders to go, right, we've got 30 seconds here, we can just breathe. for You know, literally just actually breathe. Um, and also when you've got a goal on the board as well. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, they, you know, when you've got something to defend, yeah, that's something you know, something to protect. Um, but when you're then away from home, it becomes a lot more difficult. And when you're half an hour in and you think, have we even got into the half? Like, have we even, you know, we, have we even moved forward at, at this point now? Uh, we certainly haven't for the last 10 minutes. All we're going to do now is spend the next hour defending. And that must wear you down as well, I think. And on the back of the United thing, uh, you know, on top of that. Um, I, I mean, I, I thought it was a little bit of a combination of things, to be honest. I thought that they were very well organised, but I thought we were quite poor for... Um, for a, for large chunks of the first half, um, I nearly I said to Philippa uh, when we met outside, I nearly fell off my chair when um, I heard John say on the post match show that he thought Milner played well because I thought he was really poor for uh, for basically all of the first half, played the ball out of play several times, got caught in possession several times, slowed the game down a lot, um, and I, I think that is to an extent kind of then dictates how the game's going to go because you're not playing with much intensity, but they're also stopping you from doing it. So I th I think the first half, it was a little bit six of one. And then when they started to tire, that was when we also coincidentally started to play some, you know, nice passes. Philippa. Um, I actually quite enjoyed yesterday's game. Um, I don't know if it was just, I mean, I managed to get myself in a bit of a state in the first half with a bloke sat in front of me where he was literally just doing my head in um, and when he suggested that Salah missed the penalty on purpose that just tipped me over the edge <laughs> slightly um, I I then enjoyed the game because I actually said to the, the guy next to me that I, I felt that if we got one goal we would get two or three 
I felt it was that sort of a game and it was just about getting that one goal. And obviously when you miss the penalty, you kind of have that dread and fear in you that, you know, that's it, the chance has gone. And, you know, we hadn't created anything really of any note, had we, in that first half. So you were struggling to see how how we were going to actually get a goal from anywhere, really. Um, and I think the reason why I did enjoy it was because in that second half... I felt like I felt like the team and Klopp basically stuck two fingers up to all the negative assholes basically who in my honest opinion have have basically gone too far with some of the things that have been said and you know the likes of Lovren who's had dog's abuse for a week it's these people are human beings you know, the human beings at the end of the day. And all any of us want is for them to win. And how he's giving them the sort of shit, and we were talking about Henderson, you know, the sort of shit that Henderson gets week after week. How we honestly expect them to go out on the pitch and give their best for us when we're giving them our worst. Do you think that's a ground? Do you think that's a, a, an in the ground thing or an out of the ground? Because I don't sense in the ground. I get it, you get the odd wind. Yeah, but... you get you get the odd asshole in the ground. I think it's to be honest with you, I think it's a social media issue. Yeah. Th- As in, I think, I think so. that um, the, the problem is, is that people get passionate, they, you know, and they, they have reactions to things and we all do it in everyday life and you can have an instant response to something. The problem with social media is that people put it down straight away and they don't think about the consequences that that might have once you put it down, it becomes your position as well. Exactly, I know that yeah, is the phenomenon of the internet. Yeah. Rather than just something you've said to a fella in a pub and you might go, actually, you know, you're right. Two minutes later, it's your position. Yeah, you've made a statement. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I would have more respect for people if they did that. And then like, you know, half an hour later or whatever, when they've calmed down a little bit and they went, do you know what? That was out of order. Do you know, I've deleted it or whatever. I'm, I'm not bothered, but. I think it's it's there is something in it being a tough week. You get the impression of for the club behind the scenes, for the manager, for yeah. everyone that everyone's had, whether it's through comments in the in in the, the the sort of the public mainstream media from from pundits, professionals, even people like us, things that are allowed, if you know what I mean, or it's things written down, whether it's on social media or whatever. And also internally, they've had to go back in, they've had to watch videos, they've had to look at that, they've had to sort of assess this season a little bit and and look at one another. And I think that that's happened in the past. I mean, you know, when we are doing history shows at the minute, there's two or th- two seasons at the very least under under Benitez. Where I mean, I uh, mentioned last week that that you know in uh, two thousand and six seven uh, on November the twelfth two thousand and six, Liverpool lose three 0 at Arsenal. And they were terrible. Uh, mm. Sammy Hippier gets hooked, and Liverpool haven't won an away game all season in the league by that point. Yeah, and, but they still pull themselves around. They pull it back together. So you get the impression the aftermath of that game will have been rough. That this is something that happens to football teams, and that it's how they react. And that's what I think. You, I think Philip is right in that. What you actually see in the second half is a little bit of it helps that they get the goal. But I think that you do sort of see them go. Come on, let's just let, let's just do something here. Let's just come alive. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a sense again. You get it. Keep kept coming through from clock in the aftermatch press conference that there was no hiding this week. And although those of us who like to think we're more moderate and fair and fair in our assessment don't like some some of the, the, the harsher uh, comments and reactions we hear around the scene, I think I think Klopp had decided that let's take this as it is as bad as it gets. Let's make this yeah. the bottom that we've we've fallen to now. Um, 
and let's build up from it. And it, it is all about how you react. And I'll, you're absolutely right, Neil, the history shows. I was looking at us, and we've played 10 games now. So that's the famous 10-game mark. We've won four, we've drawn four, we've lost two. If you say that quickly, that doesn't sound terrible. Doesn't, no, it doesn't sound <laughs> brilliant, but it doesn't sound like, oh, that's a disaster. One four, drawn four, lost two. Now, <laughs> see, I see the <laughs> but 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 actually, if you add weight to the fact we've played four of our top five hardest yep. uh, opponents this season as well, and we're the only one who's played four. Some have played three, some have played two. So we've got a game or one, a game or two in hand on some of these people. Now, okay, our form has been patchy. The players we put out. Uh, has, we haven't been able to consistently put out the best lads all the time here. But as you say, Neil, the context of history is absolutely right. And we were always saying, yeah, this was a shit day at the office. What happens next is is what it's all about. And this was a very good what happens next here. Because it was a, a, another cliches bound banana skin fixture but is there something in this Rob where what you've actually seen this season we, 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 we slip against Burnley although I'd say we are tearing the screw but probably 15 minutes too late in yeah. the game um, and they, they were another side that were exhausted by that stage but we've beaten Palace we've beaten these to nil on both occasions and we, it's worth remembering we got beat by Palace at home last season Yeah, that what what we may be seeing a little bit of is in in quite a mundane way, maybe more mundane than we may have anticipated given the way this side started last season, but that there is a little bit of a pathway towards this is how we're going to deal with the bottom 13, that we may have seen a little bit of blueprint there yesterday as well. And we may ac- actually begin to see this Liverpool side be one which has the attitude of... <laughs> If we do not concede at home, we expect that we will score. Um, and it might take us a bit of time to sort ourselves out occasionally, yeah. but we expect we will score if we don't concede. So if you want to come, be reflexive, end up playing 5-4-1, which is where Huddersfield were at times. If you want to do that, well, well, we'll wait it out. We will be patient. Let me ask you a question and don't think about it. Just give Go me on. the number. How many goals did Liverpool conceded at home this season? One. Okay, you know. Right. <laughs> it's mad, that, isn't it? It's slightly mad. It sort of backs up. I, th- I think the sense of what you're saying is at home Liverpool can be calmer, can be can be more patient, and probably patience would be its own reward. So on that, this is my my Gomez thing from before. I think that Rob's. I think that when Rob Adam talks, that there might be a little bit of nerves in the camp that they might not want to make a mess of anything. I do sort of wonder if you think about it. It's actually a bit of a difficult team talk for the manager in that he wants to say as Philip argues, he might have done at half-time, get out there and show the world on the one hand. But on the other hand, he might be saying, hey, our lads, first 15, let's not do anything daft. Let's temper our, let's try to temper our enthusiasm a little bit. Let's give nothing daft away. Because I think this is a bit of a halfway house where, yes, they may be a little bit nervous. And the manager might actually be saying, patience is no bad thing here, boys. And then, because it must be so hard. I mean, I was talking to Steve Graves last night. This is a dressing room with multi-nationalities, multi-ages, multi-backgrounds to sort of put over. And what used to be like, Dead like this, but a bit like this. <laughs> yeah. and, and I wonder if that's what you actually saw first half from a couple of the players. They, they, were, they were too much of one or the other. Yeah, I thought it was a really strange game because I think on on the one hand, that felt like exactly the result we needed in every way. It was the performance we needed in so much as we were quite poor at times and yet won 3-0, which is what everyone's been saying all season. Why can't we just win when we're not playing very well like other teams do? So in that sense, it kind of felt like that was exactly what we needed. It kind of just nice and regulation and all that. On the other hand, I'm intrigued to know how much, if anything, we've learned from yesterday. Because exactly like you've, you know, Rob said and you've said, we we've actually been perfectly fine at home. It's you know, it's a way that we've got the problems. 
and we've we've generally been perfectly fine against kind of slightly poorer teams, you know, the Crystal Palace one, because Burnley aren't, you know, mugs. They're not in the same, you wouldn't put them in the same bracket as sort of Palace as they've been so far this season uh, and to an extent Huddersfield yesterday because they weren't very good. Um, uh, you know, so it, it's just, I just don't know. I don't know what we've learned and I don't know what, I don't know how different that performance was to the to the performance against Palace. I'd like to, if I could ever be bothered, I'd like to watch them back to back. I'm never going to be bothered, but if I could, I'd like to watch them back to back and say, you know, how different were they? So I just don't know. I don't know what we know. Well, I tell you what, Adam, give us Mane and Coutinho, oh, and, yeah, then, and, for, and then well, play course, yesterday but, again, and I think you see a different. Course, but they're not there. The so, but, I'd well. say, but I'd also say that what one of the things I think you do learn, Adam, and I, I think this is. Uh, Something that we sort of all, we I think we all need to learn, including including the players, and and I think that the management might be there on this. But sort of, I think one of the things you take from it is that class will out. So things mm. like, for instance, the um, just simply like the storage finish. Even mm. I think that they get to a point on about 35, 40 minutes where they've realised they can't really cope with Salah. That if they if he gets on the ball, his his touch and his quality is of something that they can't quite cope with and so they have to start really crowding him out and you know it's the storage finish it's the Henderson ball for Firmino which leads to the corner do you know what I mean I almost think that we've lost because we're so used and I, I think it's so strange that we've basically spent the entirety of this decade not watching a game like that one very often mm. we, we, even when we've been brilliant when we've when we've had great sides who've, who've got really good points totals or hammered people the point is that they've been being great sides and hammering people I think we've almost just lost the art of the of the regulation 3-0 against the side that has just come up, if you know what I mean, in that mm. the 13-14 side puts nine past them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or last season's Klopp side around this time of the year beats them 6-0 like they did to Hull, absolutely embarrasses them and puts that unreal performance in. We've sort of lost this idea that, you know what, if everyone sort of has a 6 or 7 out of 10 and then there's 10 minutes where the boss lads all have an 8 or a 9, you win the game. That, and that, I think that's what we've learned a little bit because we're just so unused to seeing it. It's what maybe. United do, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that, that's, that's, maybe a fair, that's maybe a fair shout. I I suppose what I'm intrigued to know, and, and again, it's something that you know we, we'll never know or maybe years later we will or whatever. I, I'd love to know whether that's what the manager's trying to say to the players or whether that's just kind of what's come out in the wash. Because this business of the, you know, oh, Liverpool aren't pressing with the same intensity this season as we did, you know, last season, all that sort of stuff. I know the manager's made noises that suggest it's a, you know, that, that he was, he's been surprised by it when he said, oh, you know, we, we, we got the press back and that was needed against Maribor. It feels too... It's too regular and too common for it not to be tactical. That you can't be seeing that and going, "Oh, it's all right; it'll sort itself out." He must, be, you know, he's either telling them or he's not. I think so. It's interesting that is this what he is trying to get us to do now? And is and and almost because he saw the wheels come off so spectacularly after Christmas last year, is he sort of saying this is we'll just. Don't we don't need to go hell for leather like we did against Watford because a three nil win is the same as a six nil win. You're still getting three points for it. Don't worry about it. We don't need to play the best football ever. Let's just nice and pace ourselves. And if it is, is that going to take a little while for both the players and the supporters to get used to that? That's the sort of match that we're going to go and see as a bit of a dire, you know, three nil, not particularly exciting, but we've got the points. So what does it matter? Type game. On that, I think um, Philip had it. To sort of to, to deal with the I had to deal with a couple of the core issues in the game. The first one is the I want to come I would talk at the end about the overall selection because I actually think that rolls into Maribor and I think it rolls into West Ham. So I'll come on to that at the end. But before then, um what I think doesn't doesn't settle people down is that they don't know who's taking the pen. 
that they're all arguing over who's taking the pen. And I think that this is where little things like that at the moment when you know little moments of confusion little things like that little bits where Matip and Henderson were both trying to either claim the ball off each other or leave the ball for each other they all tell the story of footballers who aren't quite settled I thought the penalty thing was I thought the whole passage of play around the penalty was was crazy to be honest with you yeah um it was interesting with the penalty because it was right in front of me and I I didn't know why it was given. I don't think anybody in the ground really knew why it was given, what was going on. I, to be honest with you, a lot of people around me thought it was a free kick to, to Huddersfield. Have you seen it back? Yeah, yeah, it was, mm. it's a penalty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't you can't argue with it. Um, and to be honest with you, um, Kevin Friend, for me, was having an absolutely dire game. I think... And that was the one thing he got right in the whole game for me. And I, want I think to give from him the moment he got the minute silence yeah. wrong at the start, he just went downhill from there. Oh, it was crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know if it was that people were unsure as to who should be taking it. I thought it was more that there was people who were wanting to take it, who wanted to take on the responsibility. And then it was pretty much a well-known Salah's been told that he's the guy that's taking it. And I think that was that was more that was what was going on there. Um, I mean, I've seen lots of people say, why was Salah taking it when you had Milner on the pitch and you have Mino on the pitch? Um, but I think they'd both missed their last penalties each. I think no matter who took that penalty, if they didn't score it, people would be saying, why didn't X, Y, or Z take it instead? Why didn't Salah take it? Because he scored the one for... Did, did you know just for Mino... Uh he didn't compete for it. He backed straight off. He just went, it was as though he knew he wasn't in the running for it. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think Salah had been nominated and a few others sought to exploit the confusion a little bit. I yeah, Sturridge wanted to take it Sturridge, as well. Sturridge but was that is so Daniel though, isn't it? It doesn't matter how set you are with that. He'll, he'll, if, he's, yeah, he, he, if he senses any weakness, he's gonna. that's just his instinct. Yeah, but then... He's he's missed more penalties than anybody I can. Shit penalties. <laughs> do you know what I mean? His heart was like, no, not not Daniel. But... I do feel for James Mill. I mean, at the end of the day, he had an impeccable record. One miss against Southampton, and it's. I think I, I I was trying to do the stat in my head. I think Liverpool have missed three of their last five pens we've taken because oh. mm. it goes back Sounds, to, to yeah. Milner missing last season. Yeah. Firmino's missed this season. Yeah, we've missed oh, three out of the last four or five. It's getting a little bit silly. The this. thing I'm, is as well, though. Sorry, I thought about. It. I think the thing is that's a bit weird about it is the way that everyone's a bit. Like, like, why is Salah taking the penalty? I mean, he's literally just scored the biggest penalty in the history yeah. of Egyptian football. Everyone it around wasn't me, the maddest shout no, ever that he took it, was it? Everyone around me was going, yeah, of course it's Salah, he should be taking it. You know, did you know he scored three two last week? <laughs> Everyone was I doing it. I was so... You were, no, I was nervous. I was, I was so James Milner, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, know, I, I think Milner should have taken it, but it's just the way some people are like, I can't believe Salah I know, took it. it, I mean, it, well, it I, there's, there's a bit of logic behind it. Was, it, like, it, I mean, was, yeah, it wasn't absolutely outrageous. I was just... my The thing that was in my head was I just think... I think that because I think Klopp wants because if you remember there was the pre-season game um, in Ireland and we get a penalty in that and Milner's on the pitch and Firmino takes it yeah mm. and I think that Klopp because Milner's not going to be a regular starter whereas yeah. Firmino and Salah are so Firmino was the penalty taker because he'll be on the pitch that's who it is we get a penalty Firmino's on the pitch he'll take it mm. uh, and I understand that logic and I think that what's happened I think what's happened in general is that Firmino's gone don't fancy the next one or Klopp's gone I don't want you on the next one we give it to Salah because it broke Firmino a bit didn't it broke Firmino a bit so it might be that the the logic is we give it to Salah my thing is surely we're all big enough grown ups to be able to say 
if Milner's on the pitch, Milner takes them. Mm. And then if Milner isn't on the pitch, Salah takes them. Or Firmino takes them. Or Dan Sturridge. Do you know what I mean, Rob? Yeah, I think yeah, surely yeah. you just have. You've got mm. this fella who takes a really good pen. And there was loads going on in that Southampton one. And it was all a bit weird, I think. And it was a strange day for Milner in general, that game. I mean, that was the game when he crawled at one point. He was having such a bad game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just sort of wonder if, you know, you just have the idea of, listen, if Milner's there, you just it's, it's like he's an asset for this. Get the fella yeah. who's the asset. Get him to do the thing he's an asset for. Do you know I, what I mean? I, 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 I agree. I, I think... Players who aren't natural goal scorers, when they get in the groove of taking penalties, they tend to be very good and very consistent at them. The Phil Neals of this world stick in my mind from my childhood. I think managers at the back of their minds, as much as the who's on the pitch more often argument, I think they like to see numbers in their front players. And I think yeah. the idea of pushing... I think, you know what... That was Salah's 10th of the season if he slots that. I think he thinks confidence accrues to the player, accrues to the to the status of the, the team. The dressing room, we yeah. this fella scored 10 so far this season. It's not even November yet. Mm. Exactly. Can I, can I just say as well on the Salah thing with, with his goal-scoring record, because something that's being levelled at this Liverpool side at the moment is that we haven't got a proper goal-scorer in the side, that we haven't got the, the Harry Kane or the Lukaku. If we had signed an out-and-out striker who had scored as many goals and been involved in as many goals being scored as what Salah has already, Hmm. we'd be lauding them. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I know us as Liverpool fans are like, you know, Salah's been brilliant, he's been a great signing for us, but he's not clinical enough. That's that's been the attitude of it. But if, if he was a striker and we got him in and he scored as many as what he has and been, been involved in as many goal-scoring opportunities even, we'd be absolutely going, oh my God, what an absolutely unbelievable striker we've got in our hands. But because he's a wide player, he's maybe not getting the recognition that maybe he deserves for, for his goal-scoring record. I think that's absolutely right, and also, also what he also represents is a really successful transfer. You know, yeah. that, that's something we haven't been able to take for granted in recent years. Quietly, Mane represented a really successful after a few years in the wilderness between Suarez and and the, and Mane, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and he's a really successful transfer, and it goes to show that a really successful transfer doesn't necessarily revolutionise your season because there's lots more besides. I thought it was interesting with Salis that he made the striker point. He ends up his last five or seven minutes on the pitch as a central striker, yeah. which is where he can play. Um, I also thought looking at the way the front three were moved around through the course of the 90 minutes, uh, I thought Firmino was highly effective throughout in a variety of positions, really, off coming in off the left. Tucky, almost a second striker, I think, at the point the first goal scored, isn't he? All but gets the f- forces the flick header. Yeah. Um, yeah so- I, th- I think on that, on that second half uh, bit, Adam, what Rob's referring to there, when Firmino you know, was almost a second striker, I thought it was really interesting to see the use of Wijnaldum's second half in that it seemed to me like he was, again, he was almost playing three or four different positions. I think he actually probably formally, if you were to do the notation thing, plays three different positions in the second half. Left wing at the he end. He really ends up in the front three. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's what he wants when he, certainly if Firmino's out, going to be out on the left, I think he wants the idea that Milner and Wijnaldum are going to go and almost occupy that space and then let him move a little bit and, and, and have that freedom. But I think that's, again, one of the things that just wasn't working first half, that you see the difference first and second half there. And I think that it was a, a sort of necessary switch because we we were playing a team that had essentially no attacking ambition and were pl- yet we were playing three midfielders who were all playing in a defensive mindset. And so I think the switch moving him forward is kind of also what helped us take the game to them a little bit and start to, what you were saying before, break them down a little bit more, was putting him 
higher up the pitch. Um, and he, it's funny because when, uh, when Chan came on, even though poor George said it was not Chan, it was Solanke, um, when he came on, um, the you know the fella behind me, that's a terrible decision. That why is he putting Winaldum forwards and then he immediately smashed the ball into the back of the net? And it just goes to show these We've managers know what they're doing sometimes, don't they? Yeah, it, it, but if he hits the bar, trust me, I'm one for an awful oh, shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a standard. I, I was a bit down on Winaldum for first half. I mean, my mate who sits next to me said he kind of needs to get his goal win Alden in this mm. in these sort of games i think i think at home against the against the busier sides you know the other top 6s when Alden has always looked at his very best for me he's involved in the play and he's usually the guy who can ghost in as well and offer some a real goal threat Away from home, sometimes the game can pass him by at times. And I think sometimes against the low blockers, the bus parkers, I think the game can pass him by because I think he's briefed with get in the box, get us a goal, Ginny, but he's not quite sure where his position is half the time. He's not, you know, it's, it's what your old money used to be called the David Platt role. And I think at times he's anonymous and we lack a player. You, you His movement has to be superb, I think. And Well, he's redeemed by the goal, I feel, a little bit yesterday. Is Am that, I being harsh? Uh, is he being harsh? I don't think so. I don't think he was great. No, well, first half in particular, but I thought all the midfield were struggling yeah. in the yes, first half. So um, I don't think it was that he was playing particularly poorly. I just think as a midfield, it wasn't really working. Um, no. Did you feel, I mean, there's one of those times, you know, when things are down and you come off the back of a 4-1 defeat and you're nil-nil at home to Huddersfield, you haven't got a good view of anybody really in life. No, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and I was suddenly sitting there and thinking, fuck me, we need an Abbey Kaito. Well, certainly a player as good as his reputation is. And then another one of them. Because yeah. these three lads feel quite pedestrian. And when I said maybe Chan should come in, people around me go, oh, not him, he's even worse. You know, it was that kind of mindset in the ground. So it's, it's hard to see the wood for the trees when you're not in a, in a good spell. Yeah. Yeah, How good are they, though, these lads? I mean, this is what I'm asking this, myself. I, 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 think, I think the Wijnaldum thing is really interesting and in I think that there's some footballers who just need to be constantly involved. And so mm, I think this is, yes. Wijnaldum, this is the Wijnaldum better game, better opponent thing in that mm. he was also, you know, we talk about him being, not, not being great on the road, but I think one of his best performances last season was away at Chelsea when mm. him and Henderson have both have excellent games when it's when it's 2-0 and 2-1 and, and consistently there's, there's the filming something if you can hear a rumbling or a bang and the filming on Water Street the it's not the Water apocalypse Street, no right. it's not the apocalypse it's, <laughs> it's, it's just filming happening we'll finish show, um, there is um, something in there you know where I think if if some footballers it's strange you mentioned the David Platt thing there's some footballers who not being involved in football matches and then emerging suits mm. and then there's some footballers who I think just need to be constantly involved and feel like they're all, certainly in midfield and feel like they're always in the game and one of the reasons why I think you praise someone like David Platt or to go even further back John Walk mm. is another reason why you mm. as I've heard you do in the past would also damn them in terms of where are they Where they, they, he might get 18 goals but what else is he doing Yeah, and that can sound ridiculous to people but your point would be well I need to if you play in sentiment for Liverpool I need you perpetually involved in the play and I think Wijnaldum is a little bit like that but he steps up in these bigger games where everybody's got to be counted I think Maxi Rodriguez was a bit like that too. They're, they're players that can really personally frustrate me. I mean, my favourite stats, one well, of my favourite stats, my favourite stat is goals scored by a player. But, my, <laughs> but I think but an underrated stat is how many times you touch the frigging ball. Certainly if you're outside of the defensive positions, I think that tells a lot about a player. You know, go, he was shit because yeah, but he, he was involved. Um, 
With Wynn, to be fairer to that type of player, it's a lot of it's about movement and about run. Do they do they take people away? I think I, you know. I look back and say maybe I was. I, there was a lot of love for Maxi Rodriguez, and not a lot of it was from me. I have to say, I was always quietly pleased when he was on on the bench. But I think did he, he not run down the wing for you? He <laughs> did, yeah, he, he didn't run down the bloody wing. He ghosted in in, in diagonals and, and scored an, an unreasonable amount of goals to not support my case. But I don't know. <laughs> how, see, annoying, how annoying! How annoying! How unreasonable of you. I no, I have to say, Ginny Wijnaldum isn't quite that kind of footballer because there's times where you look at him and he's strong in possession he shields a ball well especially in the type of games we're talking about and I, I'm not damning in fact my, I suppose I'm broadening my must thing to say I'm not sure of the level of all of our four Jordan can be exceptional Emery Chan can be exceptional Jin Wijnaldum can be look like a an internet and you know a top elite level player and who's the one I'm missing out and he even and ja- not even James and um, two weeks ago James Milner gave one of the finest central midfield performances I've ever seen against Maribor <laughs> that was fantastic he was fun- no seriousness he was fantastic so they're all good lads what I'm wondering is what is the I think they've their A games to, to, to put this into crude to, crude number terms are eight and a half nines but they're but when they drop below that, I feel they're too quickly sixes and fives, those those players. I just wonder, I look back to our golden, you know, our most recent golden age in midfield, which is Gerard, Alonso, Mascarano, even Momo Sissoko and Haman overlap in their ear and think, shit, would any of these lads push those lads out of the way? And I think it would have been a struggle for them. I think that Wijnaldum is one of those players who it feels like what his instructions from the manager are is vital to understand whether he's having a good game or not. And I know that I know that sounds a bit a bit daft because Not you don't you don't necessarily think that with you know Xabi Alonso what's he being top of the manager but but it it could be very easy to say oh well that well has been doing nothing this half mm. but the manager might have said I want you patrolling this area and watching this player because he's their danger man and it doesn't matter if that player doesn't get the ball you stick with him and you know the manager might go when Alden's done every single thing I asked him to do they're perfect but as supporters you go he did nothing all game you know what I mean like that's what it feels like I, is think, it- I think there's something in Adam again I'll come back to you on this I think there's something in being that third midfielder of the three I think it's interesting what Rob says before because the thing about when you go through them the Mascherano Alonso Gerard thing is when they, when it was all crystal clear exactly who was doing what yeah. you could go that's great. That's a great midfield three. It all works. I think that you, if you're the lad who's obviously the one who's spending most of his time holding, you can say whether or not he's doing a good job at that. If you're the lad who's clearly the attacking one of the three, if it's Coutinho or Lallana mm-hmm. in this current side, you can go, well, that's what he's doing. This fella who's not not one or the other, and that's where Wijnaldum often ends up being, that's the one who I think you'd often end up going, I'm not sure what he did today. And up to and including, people used to say that of Frank Lampard in seasons where he'd score 20 goals. Yeah. Lampard doesn't do enough for me. People, Liverpool supporters especially would say, because they'd be watching Chelsea, and 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 I think that's the re- I think that's the hardest one. I think that's what you're trying to say, isn't it? That there's, there's always going to be one if you're going to play that that sort of shape who's going to look a little bit left out. Yeah, and I think Klopp plays such a he's such a systemic manager in lots of ways. You know, we, we've all sort of heard about the triggers for the press and watching your zones and all of that sort of thing. So I think he's very much a manager that's, that, that is like, this is, there's a, you've got a little bit of freedom. You know, Henderson, I want you marshalling the defence. Uh, Coutinho, you've got freedom. You can drift in and out of the pitch, do whatever you want. Mane, same sort of thing. Wijnaldum, you are marshalling this part of the pitch and that is your job and that's what your part of the system is. So if you if you don't necessarily know what the manager's told him to do and it isn't a clear position, as you say, he's not clearly the attacking player or clearly the defensive player, then you can watch it and go, he's had a poor game or he's not being involved or why isn't he doing more or blah, blah, blah. But if if the if the manager's saying yeah that's exactly he's done exactly what I wanted him to do and it's notable of the you know of the midfielders he wasn't the one that went off, I think 
that's that's what you want. And as as supporters, you've got to kind of say, well, I don't know what the manager has, but he has put the ball in the back of the net, I suppose. So. I just, I'll just quickly say what I've noticed him, Wijnaldum saying himself about what the manager wants from him. When he's been sort of putting, given questions where he's asked to self-assess a bit, he, he, taught, he says, he's always, always at me to get in the box more. Mm. And I do think that is the key with a player like Wijnaldum. I, th- I think in crude numbers terms, he, he needs to score more goals. He did begin to score more last season. I, th- I think it takes him forever to get his first mm. uh, and, and a long time to get the second, but they began to flow. So I think he needs to be in those positions around the penalty spot and beyond to mm. be to, to, to do the last assist, to nod it over the line. I, you know, you know those positions where the likes of Moreno are whipping a low one in. Firmino, you can trust to be sliding. I'd like to see Wijnaldum be the guy sliding behind him. Emery Chan is more likely to be, I think, sometimes mm. when he's in the team. Yeah. I think I think it's good, Wijnaldum, but I think there's a level he can get to and I think he needs to find it to stay there long term. Um, I, I'd agree with all of what you've just said there, both of you, actually, but... Um, I think we can we can say this about every single player in this side. You know, we're, we're being critical of um, Joe Gomez for not getting forward enough. We're being critical of Wijnaldum for not being involved enough. You know, people were getting critical of Jordan Henson yesterday for playing it short too often and not looking for, for the long ball. And then when he did look for the long ball, criticising him for that. Yeah. We, we don't know what instruction the manager's given to these players. And it could have been something as simple as don't give anything away. Let's just find our feet in the game. Let's just see where we go. And then we want you to do this, Have this, and this. Have you seen his this. interview afterwards? Yeah, I mean, he mentioned in you about how um, it was a really simple change at half-time, yeah. you know, to make it more attacking. And, you know, it could have been the Wijnaldum thing where he said to Wijnaldum, you know, you just sit here. And then he's, he's looked at it, he's assessed it, and he's gone, right, at half-time, this is what I'm doing. Um, I... I think that's what kind of like what I like about this team. Um, I think that they do follow the manager's instructions. Um, obviously, you, there's no accounting for people making mistakes. And um, I think that's maybe why the likes of Moreno didn't get a look in last season was because he didn't really listen to the manager's instructions enough. Um, and maybe he saw more of that in, in pre-season and thought, right, I'll give him another shot now. Um but, I mean, even Moreno yesterday for me didn't get forward as much as what he has done in other games. And I, I can't help but feel that is the, the instruction of the manager. And The first goal, the goal's interesting because you see the numbers of bodies that are actually forward. And, you, and Huddersfield make a, the same mistake I think we've made several times this season. The ball gets funneled out to Moreno in our, in our left-back position. And Huddersfield's defence, because they're pressers, ste- have stepped up. Yeah. Assuming that the press will come from their front players, they've stepped up. They're on the quarter way mark, aren't they? Yeah. On that on that line, Liverpool have put four on them. We at the time Moreno the ball leaves Moreno's feet. There's four against four, but Moreno isn't pressed. And I think you know you remember that the first goal City score against us was just it's not a high ball. It's a straight ball through our defence. Yeah. But there's no pressure. The defend do, defenders do what they think they're meant to do, which is to step into a position which allows the play to be compressed and helps a pressing team do what it's meant to do. But if the front players switch off and forget they're pressing, and I think this is this is a hundred percent where Lalana is that is the big miss because I don't think his instinct is to forget that that's the core part of the job. I don't think he switches off. I may be I may be lionising him in his absence um, or remembering him as never making a mistake which is probably incorrect but but I do think if you're going to, the defence have to trust that the forward lads are going to do that otherwise it's a very simple ball now it ends up being a sort of a mishmash of a ball but the reason we get the goal and it's a simple goal simple-ish goal in the end 
is because of numbers. Um, yeah. if, if Firmino makes that touch and not Tommy Smith, is it Tommy Smith who makes the flick? Yeah, yeah. If, you, if Firmino makes the touch, it still goes to Sturridge or somebody else's, or the two other lads who are just running either side of him. Uh, so the chance is going to be excellent as a minimum there. Um, the, the thing, sorry, go The on. thing is there with, um, with that goal in particular, Huddersfield think that they've got that boxed off. Because they had the mum right next to Firmino, who was there if you know if the balls tried to play through on the floor. Yeah. And then they've got the guy stood in front of me, who was Tommy Smith, who can cut it out if he's tried to put put over the top. And as it happened, he's done his, his job basically and got his head to it. And people will say that Liverpool were lucky because of where the ball went and but numbers. Sturridge was anticipating yep. that something like that might come off and he does that an awful lot and it's something that probably isn't recognised enough for me from him but he's always anticipating the mistake he's always anticipating right where where could this ball possibly end up and a lot of the time it it, it can look a bit odd because he's in like a strange position but if that ball doesn't come to him, people could then criticise him for being in an offside position because he is ahead of the play in a sense. But if you look at him, he's looking at exactly where Moreno is. He's looking at the type of ball that he's, he's doing and he's going, right, where can I get in here? Yeah, it's true. Actually, the number of Daniel Sturridge goals, I think, especially in the last two years, I've seen where my first instinct is, was he offside? Yeah. Which just goes to show the... Because that's not happening to, say, Firmino as a different type of player and not an orthodox striker. He's not really getting into those positions in quite the same way. Um, and the finish is really, really good. I mean, I think that Daniel's missed two or three sitters, hasn't he, in previous appearances yeah. this season. But they're similar sort of positions to miss them in. He's got into them to miss them. Yeah, exactly. And that's a nice finish, that. I actually, he said something, it was after the game, was, I think, you know, they're saying, are you pleased to get your goal? He clearly was. He's pleased to, to do his dance again. You know, you <laughs> thought, he's just, he's just enjoying it. He's just trying to enjoy what's left, really, now. <laughs> it sounds a bit harsh, that, but... Um, he talked about needing a run, and I just wonder. Well, we're going to come on to talk about the next games, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, first I want to talk about the selection and the subs in this one. So, you know, the, we get we got ourselves ahead in the game 2-0, a goal from a corner. And by the way, I thought Milner's corners were good yeah. yesterday. It's worth pointing out that Matip uh, misses a really good mm. opportunity, a hugely frustrating True, miss, to not be honest. for the first time as well. Yeah, I, and, you know, I'm, I am going to bang my Liverpool centre-halves need to start chipping in drum. And chipping in is, you know, I'm not asking for 15. from I'm not asking for Derek Mountfield like returns, one for the teenagers. I'm saying, can, you know, can just sort of two or three each six from the position across the course of a season is not is not asking for loads no. um, but on that whatever the kerfuffle is at the start Lovren doesn't start uh, and it's still it's still not entirely sort of that clear what's gone on there Rob a groin injury apparently but Klopp looked a bit dubious about the whole thing but yeah um, but I think that they did know the team uh, the day before I could be wrong about that but I think they did know the team the day before so it, it, I'm not quite sure of that but the subs, um, Oxlade Chamberlain. I'll go Adam first on this. Oxlade Chamberlain comes in, Adam, and I think he's he, he, he's quite enjoyable to watch. First and foremost, that's the big thing I've taken from his last few appearances. I've quite enjoyed watching him be very direct with the ball for Liverpool. Hmm. I think he's. Um, I, I think as is as is so often the case when there's a, a player who people are perhaps a tad dubious about when you sign them, you then uh, kind of don't give them the benefit of the doubt and if so if they don't have a particularly good first game then that, that can kind of be the the mindset that you take for them you know moving forward and he and he wasn't great in the cup game against Leicester but in pretty much every other appearance he's he's done exactly what you want him to do um and I, I feel a, almost a bit sorry for him actually that he that he that he hadn't that he hasn't got a, a league start yet because he's deserved one from his little 
his little appearances that he's come in for. Um, and it it felt generally like, yeah, you know, the manager, I think, is is maybe on par when it comes to his substitution decisions um, across the course of his, his Liverpool managerial career. Yeah, I, I think he's got as many right as he's got wrong. But I think yesterday was one where actually all of them made the team a little bit better, which is what you want from the substitutions. I thought he was. I thought I, I, he, he's not letting us down, Oxlade Chamberlain. Mm. You know, he got a bit. He, he played. He's played virtually the whole game against Leicester in the League Cup, and um, he got a bit of criticism for that, which I thought was was harsh. But since then, he's had he's had these twenty minute cameos, and he's looked good in all of them. I think mm. I'm really fast. It's a fascinating one, this one, because Klopp invested a decent amount of money in him, and he's had opportunities since that Leicester game. I think to go, yeah, go on. He's, let's give him a start. Like Maribor away was a classic ex- uh, example. I thought yesterday, you, you're without Mane and Coutinho. There's two wingers, in inverted commas, out. You, but he's holding him back. He's definitely I, holding... I, I, I think he's holding him back, and I'm wondering what the plan is. And I don't think he's holding him back because he doesn't rate him. I think he's holding him back whether he thinks... Uh, there'll come a phase of the season where I've eased this lad in. I've eased his legs in, and I want him to be big for me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me dreaming. He, he might be one for the the uh, fixture build-up in like December, January time. You know, where we, yeah. we struggled last season and... You know, maybe he's, he's he's like saying, you know, I want you to get settled into side to understand what it is that I'm asking, of, you know, these players. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that I want you to do for us. Um, and at the moment, he's, he's basically keeping him ticking over because he keeps coming on for these 20 minutes in matches. Um, but I've, I've got a feeling he'll play on Wednesday. Uh, I've been saying that for the last few weeks. I yeah, I, right. have, I thought he'd play yesterday, <laughs> yeah. but, you know. What do you think, Neil? I mean, that's, do you think it's just, sorry, Alex, there's just no spaces for you at the moment? In, or, or, or is there a, do you think there's a plan, a programme here for this player? There might be a little bit of a plan or a programme. I think, I think there's, the, there's, there's, there's what he's doing in centimetres, and I think you've seen all season, there's a real, I mean, firstly, Firmino comes off really early yesterday. Yeah. With no, with no injuries, that's no a leg problem. Saver, and yeah. that's a real leg saver. That's a real, I'm get, you, you've got 65 here, it's 2 0, it's done. I'm taking well. you off. Yeah. yeah, it was a real. But you've seen it right the way through the season. Firmino was barely subbed last year. Yeah. He plays ninety after ninety after ninety. But then there was the feeling by the Stoke game when he starts off the bench, he was fatigued. Yeah. But I think, I think he wants to settle. I think that the problem that Oxlade Chamberlain's currently got is in games like the one we just had. He wants to start Salah. Why? Because he's great and banging him in. Mm. He wants to start Firmino. Um, so Firmino's got to find himself a place on the pitch and basically for that from three if it's Oxlade-Chamberlain in there he's, he's picking between him and Sturridge mm. and at the minute I think there is a there's, I think the Klopp-Sturridge dynamic's dead interesting mm. at the minute and there is something going on there where it, it does feel like these are two men who now understand each other I think that you've seen Sturridge play quite differently he's going he's like the number of times he went for a flick on yesterday mm. you know, I don't remember Daniel Sturridge ever really winning his flick on ever really winning his headers no. but you could see yesterday he's, he looks a little bit bigger it looks like there's some sort of plan for Sturridge before you almost get onto Oxlade Chamberlain. And then I think in midfield, I think he's still a bit. It wouldn't surprise me, for instance, if when Lalana comes back, you may see a little bit more of Oxlade Chamberlain in midfield. The idea that at the minute we're a bit. Well, you know, we'll, what we've got, we're going to hang on to a little bit. But I personally would start him Wednesday and I'd start him in midfield. Uh, I think there's. I think. And again, talking about the subs, I think you can see with Firmino, Sturridge, and Salah, he takes them all off. And I sort of think. If he isn't going to have Coutinho, and even if he is for West Ham, there's a strong argument to give Sturridge 
three games in a week and see yeah. how he is the other side before the international break. I think he'll want to play Firmino in all the games and I think he'll want to play Salah in all the games. So I think if you're doing that, I'd start him, I'd start him centre mid and I'd almost change possibly all three midfielders against Maribor. I'd possibly go Chan Deepest um, as he played there in the first leg. I'd go Oxlade-Chamberlain and then maybe you're picking one agree with Joe Woodburn. And if you're going to keep someone in, maybe you keep Wijnaldum or... or I think he keeps in. one of the three in. So I think if, you, if you're going to keep one of them, I'd almost keep Milner in off the basis that, you know, Milner... You can just you can rely on them to keep going. They're scared of him, and also they should be scared of him. Yeah, he played really well against them, but I think that that might be the plan. But I agree with Philip in that I do think he is being held back for the idea that you know. Firstly, it's going to come thick and fast in November, December, but also. I think he might be being held back for the idea that he is actually just going to get a lot of a lot of appearances from the bench this season quite early on. That I think if we're going to be talking about, we play Chelsea. Um, Saturday we play Stoke then we play Brighton and if there is any one of if either Salah or Mane are fit or injured sorry then the one who isn't plays all three of them games mm. Yeah. but the Liverpool manager might want to consistently hook him on 70 and he might want to think I've got pace on the bench mm. at least I'm not losing pace that's what I think that's yeah a- yeah. I, I think that as far as specifically yesterday is concerned I wonder to what extent, if all players were fit and all players were, were, were ready, so continue still, uh, Lovren doesn't get whatever happens to him, I wonder if he goes again with exactly the same team that played against Spurs because what he, we all, I wanted, what I wanted to see was changes across the back line. I, 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 I desperately didn't want to see the goalkeeper. I desperately didn't want to see Lovren and I didn't really want to see Milner in midfield. And if we'd have gone with the, if Lovren hadn't got injured, that's exactly what we would have seen. And and I wonder whether the majority, the vast majority of people, are calling for kind of sweeping changes. And what's Klopp, what Klopp's decided to do is go. Actually, no, we're not going to do sweeping changes. What we're going to do is what the pundits and things have been slagging us off for all season. We're going to not let the fullbacks bomb on. That you know, we're not. We're going to have an actual back four that are going to keep as tight a back four as we can. So Moreno is not, as you said before, Rob Moreno wasn't really bombing up the pitch, which is weird for him because that's pretty much what he does. Even you know you you were saying Gomez was holding his position you know even though Henderson was kind of telling him to get forward he was like no this is my this is what I've been told I am sticking back and this is what I'm doing and I wonder whether that part of that was that he decided not to use Oxo Chamberlain yesterday specifically because he wanted to go again with the same people and say let's redo Spurs but let's do it how, you know change the tactics rather than the team. Um, and I think there's, no, you know, he's got he's got to be saving him. And, and as you've said countless times, Neil, we've got three thousand games between you know December the first and January the second or whatever it is. So th- th- there's, you know, there's obviously a time there when when he's going to be getting ninety minutes because we're just not going to have the legs otherwise. So um, and I think maybe Philip is right with what she said before, where she's sort of letting him bed in, get to understand his teammates, get to understand what Klopp wants from him. And because I, I said after the Leicester game when everyone was going, oh, what a waste of money he was, but you know all that sort of stuff when people were jumping on his back he, even now even though he, you know, he's been here for, for a month or so now he's still very much a Wenger player he's still very much you know that's what his training has been for the past for basically all of his career so to get into the clock mindset who plays in a totally different way and asks for totally different things from his from his players is going to take a little while and I, and I think it is about putting him into the game so we can sort of ease him in gently let him sit you know and yesterday was the, the perfect one put him in when it's nice and easy much like Maribor the game's won 
put him on, let him get 20 minutes with us, you know, because the previous ones, we've already been 4 nil down by the time he's he comes against Man U and is very, very bright. And I thought he looked brilliant against Man U, yeah. something. I also want, he, here's a player we forget. Uh, my only reservation about signing him was his, well, the biggest by a mile was the, uh, the injury situation. So I, I wonder whether they sort of, Klopp says, you know what, I know you've had a pre-season with Arsenal, but we're going to do your parallel Klopp pre-season. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that might be going on so that we have you... At, when we need you to be a high imp, for you, for two, or he might be saying to his staff, Klopp, the lad's got to be a high impact presser worker uh, in a way that has previously broken him when he was younger under yeah. Wenger. He needs he needs our regime, and it might take three months of giving him bit part roles. Yeah. I think it could be something like that because I don't think mm. he's paid thirty five million for him to kick his heels. No, quite definitely frankly, not. No. The other one that strikes me as interesting for the week, I've just seen the under-23s team for today. Um, oh, yeah, what that. is it? And uh, Well, I'm, I'm go not going to go through the whole thing because <laughs> people can find that out. But also, what strikes me as interesting is Solanke starts, but Woodburn's not even on the bench. Ooh. And that straight away makes me wonder whether or not he is thinking to himself that it's an opportunity against Maribor to possibly get Woodburn on the pitch, that maybe he will make a significant number of changes in the midfield because... I, the thing about going out the League Cup, and I do actually think you've partially seen the benefits of that this week. If we'd have, you know, if we'd have had yeah. a way at Leeds slap bang in the middle of the week, we've just had, and then got beat in that. And that, you know what I mean? It, as much as you want to be in everything all the time, but one of the negatives is it means a few of these lads now aren't able to get on the pitch. And I just sort of wonder if he might, in his mind, be thinking, "I can get ninety minutes into Woodburn against Maribor." Am I right in thinking that Woodburn wasn't originally on the bench? No, he yesterday. comes on for lot. He comes in. He comes for, in for Lovren. Oh, does and, he? Oh. Yeah, and there was another lad, and I don't know who it was because it was up the other end of the pitch to where I was sat. But there was another lad um, involved in the warm up, and just Woodburn and this other lad were just passing between each other. So there was obviously a couple of them there that was involved in like the first team day sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he sees Woodburn as kind of being the the Coutinho type role, um, maybe Coutinho Lallana. Yeah, that sort of kind of player that he, he comes in and, and maybe he wants to have a look at him against Maribor, or maybe he'll just be on the bench and somebody to come on with thirty to go if it's going all right. Is Trent in the under twenty threes today? Because I noticed no, he isn't. Not on the bench. No. I think he'll play Wednesday. Yeah, I don't know if he'd picked up an injury or something. But the the murmurs coming out of the under twenty three camp is that Gruwich is really pulling up some trees. Which um, also is not in the under twenty threes. Yeah, and on the bench yesterday, I, I'd, I'd be a little bit worried if we decided to treat this like a League Cup team against Maribor. I know we made Maribor look absolutely like they were a, a League Two side, um, but they I, did- I'd start the same from three. Yeah. yeah, I genuinely start the yeah. same from three, but off the base of the fact that you might want to start it against West Ham, and I think that the more that they all play with each other, with that West Ham game on the on the horizon, I would genuinely start the same front three. I wouldn't mess about with that. I'd start the same front three. I'd start Matip and Lovren at centre half if Lovren's fit, and I might change the fullbacks. It's in the midfield where I might decide. Let's have a little look, but I would genuinely start the same front three, and and also as a confidence building exercise, get them on the pitch, and if we can make Maribor look not great again, it's an opportunity for some good attackers to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, isn't yeah people. To sort of put some numbers on their on their goal tallies. I mean, I don't know if Coutinho's been ruled out. He was more 50-50 than some of the media had thought for this, so Klopp might want to give him a run out. I, I, my gut instinct is that Klopp, out of the midfield three, would, would 
And I would prefer, if he's going to put Woodburn in, put him in with two of the more experienced players alongside him. Yeah, I agree. Him. Uh, I, I don't but then like... when are you playing Oxlade-Chamberlain? Well, I don't, I don't know. I... And this is what, I think this is one of the reasons why yeah. Oxlade-Chamberlain is to get on the pitch. Klopp's going through what you just have. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's probably absolutely right. So the squad is quietly quite strong as well now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we brought it... We, no, I think that's important. It. We brought it... We, we were missing yesterday. I feel like I'm talking more than normal. We were missing yesterday to, uh, three of our... Probably of our front five three of our best six for our front five positions were missing. And we brought two internationals off the bench. And these aren't internationals for some backwater. These are internationals for England and Germany. They were two of the first subs uh, for us. And I think that that's... £80 million worth of talent in today's market. Yeah, it's it, it, the squad is serious. The problem is is that the, the one area we don't fix is, is centre. I mean, I think at full-back we're strong. People might like... Yeah. You know, I think we've no, got all kinds of options. I think at right-back... Klein's uh, if, not if, even if, played. If Klein was fit, if Klein was fit and you go in his backups are Gomez and Trent, you go, that's a strong right-back position at left back you go Moreno's is preserving his, his, his permanency um, Robertson's been looked at a great deputy we know Milner's more than capable in that position it's just this glaring uh, hole in the middle of the of the defence that had you got Van Dyke, you'd have gone Jesus Christ this, and he'd stayed fit and, all, and he'd, he'd fulfilled expectation you go Jesus this is a bit of a super squad now you know you'd I don't know. It's really hard to. This is why, I, I, even in our darkest depths against Tottenham, um, I can't, can't. I'm kind of treating adversity as oh, let's just get this out of the way and start again. Yeah. You know, it's almost like okay, well, forget. I, I can't get too negative, really, and I don't really understand those who do. That's the well. That's the next part of the season. That's the challenge. I think it's partially because of the the intensity of the competition, just for a top four place. It's partially because Man City are keeping winning and do look really impressive. Yeah. But on that, Adam, this is where. You know, almost looking beyond the Maribor game, and I know that we should take each game as it comes. But if Liverpool can can get themselves the win against West Ham, then they've come out of this little bank of four league games with seven points. When two of them, one of them's been United at home, the other one's been Spurs away. It's it's probably it's it's probably par, or it's just about the least acceptable. But that's what they put themselves in position for now. This game next week against West Ham, this league game, it is. Re- I think it is really, really big for the club if they can. If they can go there and not be shipping goals and impress, I think that that it means everyone can just take a bit of a breath and then, and now the big run into Christmas starts. I think, I think one of the biggest problems that we've got is that that for some people, if you're not going for the title, the season's a waste of time, and I think that's a really dangerous mindset that can that can mean that you then look at some runs of form and some games and you know think well that's um, you know that's a can't believe we drew away to Newcastle you know well that used to be a difficult game I know it's not the same anymore they've been relegated blah 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 but you know Benitez is there they're not a bunch of mugs it's you know I, I and I think that it's obviously there's nothing I want more than than for Liverpool to win the title uh, you know it's 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 what everybody wants and it's the big aim but City are currently on in unbelievable form you know they've won what five out of five in the league maybe more than that they, they haven't lost yet this they won season. nine out of ten so one nine out of ten drawn one that is insane form and you know that that is not form that that pretty much any other side has has, has shown apart from Chelsea last season who went on to you know stroll to the title you know with 25 games to spare or whatever it was so you know we I think that it's a really dangerous mindset to think if we're not if we're not challenging for the title and it's a complete waste of time of a season there there is as much as we all want it there's other things to do and if we can go in 
come out of these games, especially with it including that spanking by Spurs, because you know that that's really worth remembering that 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 at the end of that ninety minutes. I think a lot of people were just ready to set fire to the team sheet and say, let's throw it all out the window. So if you can come out of that with, as you say, Neil, with seven points, that is decent, a decent run of form at a time when, when actually everyone's been, you know, thinking that the season's a complete disaster, which it isn't. On that, I think you're desperate to get in, Rob, but I think one okay. of the things that's difficult about that is this, that's back to where this decade point, in that the only two times we've come in the top four this decade, there's been a point where we've genuinely looked like we could win the league. And I think we haven't had, and I, I do think that this is, it comes back to this 3-0 against Huddersfield, which you yourself said you walked out of, you know, a bit dissatisfied in a strange way. It, you know, Rob, we have this. Mm. We without the season sort of feeling like it's, it's it's on fire in a positive sense at some sort of point, we haven't this decade then gone on and secured a top four finish. That we haven't done mundane. We don't really know what mundane looks like or tastes like anymore. It's, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's been years. It's, it's literally since 08, 09. And even in 08, 09, we nearly win the league. Uh, in, it, it's, it's 07, 08, really, where we've sort of trotted our way through a season, got to 76 points, um, et cetera, et cetera, without ever really looking like winning it. Even last season, we're six points off the pace after we go to Sunderland. It's only really after that point it begins to go wrong. Whereas 07, 08, we were never really going to win that title. It was never looking plausible. It was the first season of Torres. 06, 07, I've said before, we haven't won an away game by the 12th of November. But you expect us to get the top four. Do you know what I mean? We haven't actually had this for ten years. No, no. I, I, I think and we it's have a, a we, collective memory. It's the players as well. I yeah, think. we have a problem. We have a problem being understanding what our objectives are. Um, you know, there's a mantra. There's the prime. There's the primary objective mantra, which we're all about winning the league. I think all sports say that to themselves at the beginning of the season. But it almost seems to be that we say it to ourselves to set ourselves up for the for the inevitable fall. That if you don't make the challenge, you are going to be ten points off the pace by the middle of November or more. I think, in a way, we, we're just doing this history show sort of at the moment, Neil, aren't we? The, the 05 06 season, which finishes, which is a, a season where we finish on is eighty third place at eighty two points and win the FA Cup. But Liverpool are nowhere in the title race at this time of the season. No, Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea are played 22, won 20, drawn one, lost one. It's ridiculous. Like City this season, it's an interesting comparison. But you know what? Liverpool have just won the European Cup. The pressure's off. I think, in a, in a sense, you know, the holy grail has been... I think if we'd won the league two years ago, I think we're a lot more relaxed about whether we're in contention for the league now. Funnily, in, yeah. in, a, in a strange sort of way. Although you should say, well, we win the league, we should win it again. Actually, I think in a way people go, no, it's okay. Uh, I, I think I think the Rodgers season sort of raises the expectation that it's not stupid to dream about winning the league. And it Cl- isn't, by the way. And it isn't. And, and Klopp does it again last season. By you know, by the end of November, it's it's a very, very sensible ambition. But sometimes the stars have to align for you, you know? Rafa wins two leagues in Spain with 78, 79 and, and 80 points when Real Madrid and Barcelona are in disarray. Fantastic by Rafa to exploit that, but the stars aligned. And sometimes that, ha- you know, when, when we stormed, stormed to the edge of a title in 13-14, it took, uh, it took, it took, a, it took a Chelsea and Arsenal to combust um, and City to have enough blips to keep us in the running. The things things have to, and sometimes you just can't do it. And I think I'd like us to look at 05, 06 as our model and go, do you know what? Let's have let's reestablish ourselves. Let's get a good points total. Let's get a good good average, and let's feature in the cups in the European Cup. I think that one of the really interesting things actually is that I, on the one hand, I, you often say Neil, you know that you hate the idea of kind of five year plans and things, and I completely agree because football changes in a heartbeat, and that's totally fair and totally right and 
we should start every single season with the title being the ambition of what we're going for, whatever, because that's what we should. That's what you should do. It is not laughable to say we're going to, you know, we should try and win the title. But at the same time, I think Jurgen Klopp's looked at things and gone, Liverpool have finished in the top four twice in the past 10 years, I think it is, or 10 seasons or something like that. What we need to do is get stability. And you know what? If the defence isn't sorted right now, right this second, if I don't buy the defence, you know, the, the I don't think there are particularly good defenders out there. If I don't get that sorted right now, it's not the end of the world if we get stability in the rest of the way the team plays. And the, the, the interesting comparison, I think, is Arsenal, who, apart from last season, have finished top four every single year of Wenger's career, won three FA Cups in a row, and yet, every single time they lose, it's as, you know, you watch Arsenal fan TV or whatever, and it's as if they've been beaten 25-0 by Huddersfield or something. It's, it's about, I think it's about progress and demonstrating yep. signs of progress and you can't and people losing their heads a little bit this season you cannot say after seven games eight games whether we've had progress from last season we just don't know and in actual fact when you look at the comparative fixtures you would say that we have because we're a point better off than we were last season I, I just think it's football's really complicated <laughs> that's my summary line I think it is but I think that that's uh, my worry with all of that sort of stuff is that it is you can end up Treading a dangerous line, and that's. You but know, it is that. That's. I think that's the point. It is a dangerous it's a high line, wire and that. Yeah, exactly, and that's what it is. And 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 ultimately, you you cannot. You know, I, like I said, I actually used this line when we we did a transfer show in the in the summer, but I think it's also true that within after eight games. People were trying to desperately do an autopsy on a season that wasn't dead, and that you know, you, you you at the end of the season you can look back and go, this is what this is all of the ways we went wrong. But if Liverpool, it wouldn't be out of the realms of the possible that Liverpool end the season on seventy plus points, seventy five points. Seven, you know, I'd be disappointed right not, now if we didn't get seventy five points. But that's but that's exactly it, and you know that's not. That's perfectly fine thing to get. So if we if we finish the season on say seventy eight points, we're demonstrably better than we were last season. So then you could look back and go, right, well, so now what, what do we need to do to get 81 points? What do we need to do? 85 points. How do we go the next step? And it, it absolutely is a high wire act, but I think the problem is that Liverpool teams for the past decade have either burnt like a bright star or been completely dreadful. Mm. And this, exactly like you say, which comes back to the original point, the regulation wins and the regulation games where it's a bit of a dour match, but you know what, we've got the three points, is what we need to do to just get ourselves back into stability, which we haven't had for the best part of a decade. I, I think the, the perennial question of ambition and what it should be is, I think it's when you ask yourself the question, as I said, I grew up, I was lucky enough to grow up watching Liverpool teams win titles week in, week out. Funnily enough, it wasn't really talked about at the beginning of the season. The primary target this season is to win the league. It just wasn't talked about. We knew we were very good. Paisley's mantra would always be, I'm not going to talk, and Dalglish subsequently, we're not going to talk about this until May. This yeah. is simply not going to happen. And as fans, we sort of bought into that. I remember feeling these little things, almost like suppressing the feelings of excitement when you knew we were going to win this fucking thing. Um, but you didn't feel it in the autumn. So that... There was that mindset that really leaked ambition is when you can actually do something. Well, that, no, hang on, sorry. I just want to say that I, in my, in, in, for me, you want ambition when it's in sight, when four games wins you. But you, the other time you want it is when the season's over. When you're sitting back going, now, what for next season? And that's when you're looking your board of directors in the face and goes, what do you expect? And we as fans can call them to account. But quickly, before we go over to Philippa and then end the show, okay. on that, 
I, I take your point, and yeah. I completely understand that. But that changes when, when you've got a side who can Chelsea 0506 can be played twenty. Sorry, played twenty two, won twenty, drawn one, lost one. Mm. That is a you know when City are doing what they're doing at the moment. My point about this is that's you can use eighty five, eighty six as a good example in that United start the season they win ten out of ten. Yeah, but by game seventeen they're back in the pack with everyone else. Yeah, and United, West Ham, Liverpool, Everton, Tottenham. I think that season mm. everyone's got the same mindset that you've just described. Yeah, the issue that we have now is that there's a number of seasons where you can say you don't talk about the title in autumn, but where the titles it's not a marathon anymore. It's a, I say it's an 800 meter race it's two laps of 400 meters mm. and you can find yourself by the by, as autumn tends to winter in a situation where you just simply know and that unless there's a collapse from somebody it's not going to happen yeah and someone's that, out of the block what, yeah and i think that that's what people find hard and i don't blame them for finding that hard because you do feel like well if we'd have been sharp if we hadn't done x if we hadn't done y i'd now be looking at looking at eight more points on the board and we might not even be ahead of them because they've been that good but we'd be competitive but instead our heads fell off and our heads fell off in the summer, our heads fell off on me. Do you know what I mean? And I think that is yes. different. I think you have I to... I take your point, and I'm not saying Bob Paisley was wrong about anything ever. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, that, that's the di- the difference is when, when you know, right now we are all looking at City going, it's going they've, to... They've, they've got to stop being this good for a period of time and possibly have four injuries for us to for us to finish ahead of them, not even talk about the league, for us to finish ahead of them. But Bob Paisley would, would have said, facing City now... If Liverpool were Liverpool and City was City, but he was in charge, uh, but we had this bank of, uh, of knowledge and success immediate, in the immediate p- past, he would say, uh, I'm not talking about the title, nor, but I'm not giving up on the title. That's what his caveat would be, because he knew what they would, he knew what was possible. And, and as with United in 85, 86, they win their opening 10, as City have virtually done. And you, what, what that knowledge, that, that success breeds is... We can bring our game. We can bring our game any point. And there was a point in those seasons where Liverpool would just switch on. Yeah, with seventeen knew, out of nineteen. Yes, you knew that. You knew that was there was always a moment that could come, and you'd wait for it, almost like a wave that they could surf. Now you need Liverpool to be out of the blocks. You really do. I mean, okay, in thirteen, fourteen, yeah, we're out of the blocks, aren't we? Last season, where we where, where we dream of a title, we're out of the blocks. In oh eight oh nine, we're out of the blocks. There's not really been another one where we've gone. Jesus Christ! Look, we've had a, we've hit we've suddenly hit form in November as we did in oh five oh six. We win ten out of eleven, something really fan or nine out of eleven, something really spectacular. But it doesn't take us to the brink of the title or the brink of of competition anymore. I don't know. I, I suppose That's there's no muscle comparison because yeah, in November no, November oh five oh six we go on we win nine out of eleven, mm. at, but Chelsea are still fourteen points ahead of us because they built up that fourteen point lead and it doesn't matter what we do. There's some good teams they, around because yeah. they, they are that good. It happens rarely though. So sure it's cut crash for it, but one thing the one thing I would say is it, it it actually doesn't happen that often that a team goes and just is not. You yeah. can't get anywhere near them. So, actually, our start to the season is more like what most teams' starts to the season are most seasons. We, you know, we we we've got to the point where we've we've won a few, lost lost a, you know two, drawn a couple. You know, that's sort of what happens. And then it's as the season goes on, teams get into the rhythm, like Chelsea did last year, where they get into the rhythm, and all of a sudden that you know they've won ten on the bounce, and people are going bloody hell. It's not usual for a team to do exactly what. City have done exactly what United did that year where, they, where they've won the first 10, 15 games and everyone's going, well, they're 20 points out of everyone. They're, gonna, they're clearly going to win this. But so, so it's not, you know, but yeah, I take your point. But sorry, Philip, I didn't mean to cut across you. No, I, I think it's a fair point. And uh, I, I think about like the the United sides, I always used to, because <laughs> I used to like go to school with all like United fans and then 
when I was in work, there was loads of United fans and I used to be taking the mickey out of them because they always used to, to me anyway, apart from the odd time, start quite slowly and sluggishly and they'd be down there and you're thinking, ah, oh, you're not going to win this year and everything. And then they'd slowly start grinding out the results and getting the one nils, the 2-1 wins and just grinding out the results. And then before you knew it, they were right back up there again and then they'd hit the form and overtake everybody and then go on and win the title. I, I can't see City carrying on the way that they are. I mean, you saw yesterday that the frailties that they have. I'm not saying that they're not going to win the league. I think that, you know, by far they're, they're probably the best side in the league. They're not going to win 35 out of 38. They're not going to win 35 out of 38. You can't do this every 10-game spell, win so many games. And when you actually look at their squad, and I know they've got some brilliant players there, but if you go beyond 18 players... There is nothing there, literally nothing there. So they get a few injuries, then I think that, you know, they could they could have problems. But they're not our business right now. They're not our business. They're not our business, and, no. you know, good luck to them, because they, they blaze the street, United don't. On that as well, me and Neil's actually talking about it last night, if you actually look at the table, it's really tight, apart from City. Mm. You know, yeah. if, if they weren't there, you would look at this and you'd go, do you know what, it's really tight this season. Who's, you know? who's, who's second, Spurs or United? United. 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 And the gap from us to United, is it five or more? Seven, I Is think, it seven? Yeah, I mean, you look at our. You look at. The, I have to come back to a fact. Uh, some balance on us, and you are, is is fixtures. We've played ten, but four of those ten have mm. been against the top, the top five. If we play, don't play the top five in our next ten. We'd think we'd, we wouldn't be thrilled just to win six, draw four. No one would be saying that's tearing up any trees. No. It'd be okay, but it would be doable against the bottom 13, wouldn't it? But that would put us back more or less to the two-point-a-game average, wouldn't it? We'd, yeah. we'd end up, we'd be on, what, <laughs> somebody do the math for me, 38 from 40. We'd only be two points off the, uh, and at the halfway stage, off the t- off the 76-point trajectory. We'd have gone, that's okay, that's not bad. We probably found ourselves hovering around the third-place spec, and that's very doable. Okay, thank you very much, Rob Gutman, Adam Smith, and Philippa Smallwood to be in the Anfield Rap. Sports Social Podcast Network. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.